Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Donald Trump says DACA is dead and that the Democrats are to blame. Plus, the president sounds the alarm on what he and Fox News are calling an army of immigrants. And is the White House poised for an extreme makeover in tone? This is the State of America tonight. People are coming in because they want to take advantage of DACA. He's the one that put the border wall up as leverage on DACA. He said you won't get DACA until the president gets his beautiful border wall. Foremost in Trump's mind right now is the idea that his base is angry and restless. We're getting close to an election. They don't want to see the president continue to win. General Kelly called Secretary Shulkins and gave him the opportunity to resign. I received a phone call saying that the president wanted to make a change. So the tweet fired you? Yes. Hi, I'm Alex Marquardt, live in New York. This is State of America. Tonight, with a three-day Easter weekend now behind him, President Trump is back in the White House today and back, it seems, in the middle of the Washington blame game. The topic of the day, immigration, which apparently was on his mind as the president headed into church alongside the First Lady for Easter Sunday services. Mexico has got to help us at the border. And a lot of people are coming in because they want to take advantage of DACA. And we're going to have to really see. They had a great chance. The Democrats blew it. Trump followed that up with a tweet today declaring, quote, DACA is dead because the Democrats didn't care or act. Now everyone wants to get onto the DACA bandwagon. Hours later, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders picked up where the president left off. The president made multiple offers on DACA. He wanted to see something get done, and Democrats refused to actually put something on the table or work with the president to get anything done. One Democrat who said the president started all of this by terminating DACA in order to make good on a campaign promise is now hitting back hard. Give me a break. Give me a break. We have been negotiating with this president. He's the one that put the border wall up as leverage on DACA. We actually offered a pile of money for the border wall and he turned it down. The reality is it is a problem that was created by this president. And one Republican congressman who is retiring says that both sides are at fault. I think a lot of people have drawn lines in the sand. The House leadership has said that they don't want a bill on the House floor that will not receive a, a majority of the, uh, of the majority of the House. There's a lot of blame to go around here. The point is we should have a debate, put these proposals on the floor, and see which one passes, and send it to the president and make him choose. Now, you may recall that in the past, the president has struck a much softer tone on DACA. Remember this? It's a very, it's a very, very tough subject. We are going to deal with DACA with heart. This should be a bipartisan bill. This should be a bill of love. Truly, it should be a bill of love, and we can do that. That famous Bill of Love comment was not even three months ago. So what could have changed? 
Maybe it has a little something to do with who visited the president this weekend down at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida for Easter. Among Trump's guests were immigration hardliners like Fox News host Janine Pirro and Sean Hannity. Also there, the ousted Fox News executive Bill Shine, the boxing promoter Don King, former NYPD chief Bernie Carrick, and the inventor of my pillow, Mike Liddell. But there was one noticeable absence, the chief of staff, John Kelly, who didn't make the trip. Several people who spoke with Trump over the weekend tell CNN that the president didn't even mention Kelly during their conversations. For his part, Kelly is embroiled in another staffing controversy, this one involving outgoing secretary for Veterans Affairs, David Shulkin. And in a flurry of media appearances, Shulkin is insisting that he did not resign from his post. I received a phone call saying that the president wanted to make a change, and uh, that's certainly his prerogative to do that, and that's what happened. You received a phone call from Chief of Staff John Kelly, who fired you. Uh, General Kelly gave me a heads up that the president would most likely be tweeting out a message in the very near future, and I appreciated having that heads up from General Kelly. So the tweet fired you? Yes. Shulkin saying there that he was fired very clearly, only that's not the view from the White House. They say that he did resign. General Kelly called uh, Secretary Shulkin and gave him the opportunity to resign. Obviously, the key here is, is that the president has made a decision. He wanted a change in the Department of Veterans Affairs. So he didn't resign. So we can clear that up. It was more of a decision made by the president. He knew a change needed to be made, and he made it was, that change. It was, as I said, General Kelly offered him the opportunity to resign. At this point, the president said it was time to move on. So despite the confusion, one thing we do know is that Shulkin doesn't appear to be backing down from this fight. And as we like to say here at State of America, stay tuned. Now let's get right over to the White House and to CNN's Boris Sanchez right there on the North Lawn. Boris, good to have you with us. This barrage of tweets and pronouncements on DACA and NAFTA over the past 24 hours really came somewhat out of the blue. These things aren't really on the table right now. So it sounds like it was his Easter guests down there at Mar-a-Lago who, were, who were, forgive me, egging him on a bit. Uh, figuring out why the president decided to use Easter Sunday to kind of change his message on immigration may seem like a tough egg to crack, Alex, but the reality is it shouldn't be. Uh, Shortly before the president went on this barrage of tweets, a segment aired on Fox News detailing this caravan of immigrants that is moving through Central America into Mexico, some of them with the intent of seeking asylum within uh, the United States. Uh, The president beginning to attack uh, not only Mexico, uh, but Democrats also threatening to pull out of the North American Free Trade Agreement and saying that a deal on DACA is dead shortly after uh, this aired on Fox News. And as you noted, the president had some colorful guests from Fox News at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend, some immigration hardliners uh, like Janine Pirro, Sean Hannity as well, as well as a former Fox News executive, Bill Shine, Uh, All of them uh, apparently seeing the president at different points throughout the weekend. Now, sources tell CNN that uh, at one point during their conversations, uh, they told the president that his base believed that he was getting soft on immigration. Beyond all of that, you also have widely reported news last week that CNN was able to confirm uh, that the White House has had conversations with the Pentagon about having the military fund the president's long-promised border wall, something that, as you know, Alex, he has long said that Mexico would pay for. So you mix that all together and you have a president that is frustrated that he can't complete one of his main promises dating back to the first day of his campaign in 2015. 
and constant criticism uh, from multiple sides about what he's going to do on immigration moving forward. And you get him venting on Twitter. Alex? And when he's in that mood, he often reaches out to that kitchen cabinet uh, for their advice. Boris, let's talk about this changing dynamic at the White House. Uh, we touched on the fact that uh, Chief of uh, Staff John Kelly was not there. We know that he's been diminished in that role. Uh, and we also know that today is the first day that longtime confidant Hope Hicks is no longer there. Her last day was on Friday. She was widely believed to be a moderating force for Trump. So what does this mean for how Trump is going to be running his White House? Who is he going to be relying on now going forward? Uh, that, that's a tough question, Alex, in part because President Trump doesn't seem to rely on anybody for his decision making. Just look at uh, his attempt to ban transgender people from the military or the announcement last month that he intends to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. He didn't really consult with anyone at the White House or the Pentagon before making these decisions. Now, there have been reports out there that the president has had conversations with outside advisors telling him that if he dismisses his chief of staff, John Kelly, he won't need another chief of staff that he can change his managerial style. We understand that the president absorbed those remarks. It doesn't appear that he is uh, likely to dismiss John Kelly soon, but it would match the kind of leadership style that he had at Trump Tower, where he had a number of different advisors, a number of different associates, all bringing him uh, information. Further, on the point about uh, Hope Hicks, there are several names being floated for a potential new communications director. But frankly, Hope Hicks handled such a broad portfolio, not just having to do with communications, that her shoes are going to be tough to fill. It'll be interesting to see who the president picks and ultimately what kind of influence they might have on him. Yeah, her relationship with him so close that someone likened it to an amputation. All right, Boris Sanchez there on the North Lawn of the White House. Thank you very much. Turning now to more signs of a looming trade war. China is hitting the U.S. with $3 billion worth of tariffs on American goods, ranging from pork to steel pipes. Beijing is following through on its promise of retaliation after Trump's penalties on Chinese steel and aluminum. All of this likely on the agenda as President Trump meets today with his newly appointed top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow. The market's taking a tumble amid fears over this trade war. Here's a live look now at the Dow. Amazon's fall today, a big factor in the market tumble with the president who has continually needled the tech giant. Coming up next, a flurry of tweets from Donald Trump after news or news report about immigrants on their way to the U.S. Is the president stoking the fears of his supporters? We'll ask our panel next. An army of migrants is literally marching or riding or making their way from, uh, is it from Honduras? From most, all of them from Central America. The big question is, what happens when they do arrive in the well, U.S.? I know they want to, to, to seek protection, some but are they, won't, asylum. they won't necessarily get that. Well, no, they're going to be arrested. I mean, you can't illegally come to the United States. Will that, they, though? That, this, I don't know. This, what do you think? Uh, if, if there's a small migrant army marching toward the United States peacefully, uh, but wants to cross our well, borders, how should it be handled? That was Fox News on Easter Sunday morning. That segment apparently catching the attention of President Donald Trump. Since then, he's railed against Mexico and Democrats for not doing enough to stop illegal immigration. The president even referencing the caravan of migrants as he renews his call for a border wall. The panel tonight, Robert Zimmerman, Democratic strategist and a member of the Democratic National Committee. Susan Del Percio, Republican strategist and director, 
at Susan Del Percio Strategies. Amy Parnes, political analyst for CNN, senior political correspondent at The Hill, and co-author of the book Shattered Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign. And finally, Steve Rogers, member of the Donald Trump Campaign Advisory Board and former lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy Reserve. Thank you for being with us tonight. Now, let's just go back to all of these tweets about DACA and NAFTA and Mexico. And we saw this parade of people, the kitchen cabinet, as I was calling them earlier, who went down to Mar-a-Lago this weekend. I believe we've got some shots of them. They are Janine Pirro, Sean Hannity from Fox, Bill Shine, formerly from Fox, Don King, the boxing promoter Bernie Carrick from the NYPD, and Mike uh, Lindell. Amy, first to you, what do you think is behind this, this deluge of tweets? Is there any strategy there, or is it just because these people had direct access to him and are presumably telling him that he is doing things that are not in line with his base. That's exactly right. And he's heard it all weekend. It's now in his head. He feels maybe that he has lost a little bit of his control of that message, and he wants to gain it back. And so you're seeing kind of a strategy on his part to kind of do that and to kind of remind the base that he's still there and that he's still, you know, lobbying to do this uh, border wall, that that's still, like, one of his big promises to them and that he's going to keep his word and make that happen. And one, one of the many tweets that, that the president has put out in the past 24 hours, uh, he wrote, these big flows of people are all trying to take advantage of DACA. They want in on the act. Now, we, we need to remind our viewers that that's impossible. I mean, anybody who crosses in now cannot take advantage. You have to have been here already. You have to have been brought in. For over 10 years exactly. ago. Exactly, 2007. As a child. And our, actually, our Jim Acosta uh, caught up with the president during the White House egg roll today. Uh, and got a question to him. Let's just listen to that quickly. The Democrats have really let them down. They've really let them down. They had this great opportunity. The Democrats have really let them down. It's a shame. And now people are taking advantage of DACA, and that's a shame. So the president there, Robert, blaming the Democrats. The Democrats have, in fact, in the past, offered uh, offered uh, a funding for the wall in exchange Absolutely. for a path to citizenship. In addition to which, there have been multiple bipartisan bills that have emerged out of con- emerged from the Senate. Uh, in f- bipartisan bills. In fact, January 11th, I think the most recent one. And President Trump didn't support any of the bipartisan legislative initiatives to, in fact, uh, put da- to in fact legislate on DACA. Worse than that, the only reason we have this crisis at all is because he reversed President Obama's executive order and repealed the protection for DACA children. So this is why we have this crisis. He created it, and he refused to support any bipartisan effort to resolve it, even when Democrats stepped up and supported initiatives on the wall. And then Susan, he, he signed this omnibus bill, which included some minor funding for the wall. Correct. But then he said that he would never do it again. So he's trying to have it both ways. Right, so. And he also praised it when it came to uh, the, uh, military funding. He said, I did this to ensure that our military is funded properly. But this is always a fallback position for Donald Trump when he wants to change the headlines or just wants to go back to his base. You attack DACA, immigration, Democrats. And it just changes the conversation a little bit. Because guess what we haven't been talking about for five days? Stormy Daniels and other scandals that the president chooses not to want to address, obviously. But when it comes to you know, DACA, for example, the bipartisan bills, Donald Trump's bill that he supported got 39 votes. That's out of having 51 Republicans. The bipartisan votes got 54. Now, yes, they needed 60 to get passed. But this administration, every time it gets close to getting what it wants, 
it stops it's, uh, itself. And that's the problem because people don't know how to negotiate with this administration, Democrats and Republicans. Steve, this, we know that this doesn't really land with, with the American public. We know that the majority of Americans are in favor of DACA. They are in favor of giving DACA recipients a path to citizenship. But it, it still does resonate with his base very strongly, doesn't well, it? Well, a few things. First of all, I don't know why I wasn't invited. I would have loved to have been part of that <laughs> conversation out there. But, but look, uh, the Democrats had control of Congress, did they not, when President Obama was in office? They could have fixed this a long, long time ago. So they did not. So now the president, Donald Trump, inherited this problem. And... At at, at the end of the day, I know this is what he's concerned about, what all of us are concerned about. We are concerned about, and I'm going to just qualify this because I did work at the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force. and did a lot of tracking of what was coming across that border, the Mexican-U.S. border. He's concerned about drug dealers, concerned about um, individuals involved in the proliferation of uh, uh, slaves, okay, Uh, we're talking about terrorists, we're talking about being concerned a lot about these individuals crossing the border. Steve, that has nothing to do with DACA, because we're talking about children who are here since 2007. So I think it's important not to distract or not to create a distraction from what the real issue is, which is the president's strategy, whether it's about DACA, whether it's about so-called voter fraud, whether it's saying, whenever he quotes Dianne Feinstein saying there's no collusion, which was a false, one false statement out of after another out of this administration, one lie just to try to change the topic. Why blame him for everything? President Obama and the Congress control by Steve, the Democrats he's the president. The well, he said he's well, well, he's, he's the president for bad things, but when there's something good by to talk way, about, he's president not the president. President Bush tried to get something done. President Obama did. And now you're right. Donald Trump did inherit it. But he, guess what also he got when he came in and has had? is a Republican House and a Republican right. Senate. So that's the fundamental difference here. And yes, Obama maybe could have done something to, for it when he got elected, but he lost the House very quickly. So that's the difference. Let's right now. Let's also talk about the language that was used. I mean, uh, you had the Fox report that, that used small army of migrants, and then the president talking about large caravans of people flowing into the U.S., which is, is not really true. This is not very subtle messaging here to, to his base of support, is it? No, it's very strong, and he's keeping his promise that he's going to do everything he could to, to prevent bad people. And I'm not saying all these are bad people, but preventing bad people from coming in to the U.S. Do, are any one of us really believe that there's not going to be bad people, there's not going to be terrorists, there's not going to be drug kingpins, there's not going to be people who are involved in, in bringing children as slaves here. There are a lot of bad people who may be involved in crossing this border. And they're going to cross and it. And we should fight them. They're not going to be able to cross. Hold on one second. We should fight those people. I agree with you a thousand percent. But this is a yearly yearly, this has been going on for years, pilgrimage. It comes through South America. It goes up into... The, and they basically are hoping to end up in Mexico. And very not largely really. symbolic. And, and it's way, completely the numbers they are down dramatically here. for yeah. the past few years. The numbers crossing the border have dropped according yeah, but this to everybody. Guys, we have, we have, to, we have to take a quick break. We will okay. come back to this. Thank you very much. A okay. fun, heated discussion. Coming up, some say only one White House worker has true job security. Whoever it is who changes the nameplates on the office doors. Our panel looks at the ins and outs of working for the Trump administration.
Did Veterans Affairs Secretary David Shulkin quit or was he fired and does it really matter? And while we're here pondering that, is anybody else following Shulkin out the door? Trump administration's revolving door dynamics, always keeping things interesting. So let's get back to our panel. Amy, let me start again with you and start with Shulkin. The White House is saying he resigned. Shulkin uh, is saying he fired. He was fired. There's a, that's a very important differentiation because of the Federal Vacancies Reform Act, which doesn't say whether the president has the authority uh, to fill that position if the person is fired. Now, this may seem like a very inside baseball, inside Washington mm-hmm. uh, type affair, uh, type uh, uh, situation, but there are real repercussions here. Yeah, I mean, it could severely imperil the decisions that the acting um, secretary can, can do. There are also legal ramifications here. It is pretty, um, it's a pretty substantial difference. And I think that's why you're seeing kind of this fight happen. But I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, why would he lie about the fact that he resigned? And, you know, this seems a little bit, um, I think a lot of people are raising eyebrows over it. Well, I'll tell you, one area where it really becomes very significant is, in fact, this distinction is important as it applies to the Department of Justice. If a president is set where if, if the if, in fact, for example, Jeff Sessions resigns, then, in fact, Donald Trump can have put a successor in if he's if he, in fact, um, is fired, then Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, becomes the acting attorney right. general. So that's why this, that's why they're having this real battle over the VA and whether he was resigned or fired. But, but there's a bigger problem in a lot of ways there, which shows the lack of ability for this administration to simply govern. They should have known this was the case. And, you know, we could talk about was he fired or did he quit. We know he didn't submit a letter of resignation, which is what would be required Right. So the fact that they the, that the administration wasn't able to kind of set it all up for the proper goodbye, if you will, and lead in a replacement is more problematic because that goes to governance. We're not seeing a lot of good governance coming. Whether right. you agree with the president's policies or not, he should be able to implement them and not be hampered by his own administration. Steve, we, there are a lot of people. A lot of uh, people are called the adults in the room around Trump. Whether it's uh, Cohn, who, who resigned, Tillerson, who was fired, uh, McMaster, who was also fired. And now you've got speculation over whether uh, Sessions or Kelly could be next to go. We know that Hope Hicks is out the door and reporting that maybe he won't have a chief of staff or a communications director and he's bringing all these new people in. Do you think that these are wise moves to make? Well, to begin with, we really don't know what we don't know. Okay, there, there's a lot of speculation without any evidence that Kelly would go or Sessions would go. And insofar as governing, economy strong, our military's getting stronger. Taking a dive today. I mean, well, it did. All right. But, but overall, overall, we're doing okay. Uh, he, he's doing real well governing. Now, as far as the inter-office stuff that goes on, it goes on in every administration. I believe there's a lot of focus on him because he is Donald Trump. We've, I've said constantly he's not a politician, not an insider. He's a businessman. This is the way he does but business. But we've never seen so many vacancies. We don't have deputy secretaries, months, right, Amy? Right. I mean, yeah. Amy, you've it's talked. You've well, hold on, hold on. As for journalists, hold on, hold on. running to the door I to confirm I just want to hear them. this who's from the journalist. Hold on. But what kind of vacancies are there now, Amy? I mean, the highest levels of the State Department. The highest level turnover. We've had the highest level turnover in the history of the modern presidency. I don't think we've seen the amount of turnover And yet we're functioning. We're doing well. Let's talk about one more thing that's getting a lot of attention. And we touched briefly on this, the overtones in the last block. Um, we're not talking. There's a, a picture that's been released, and I'm hoping we can throw it up, of the uh, new intern class at the White House, um, which is startling, really, because of its lack of diversity. You can literally count on one hand uh, the number of people uh, of color. We're not talking about senior staff. We're not talking about the cabinet, both of which are, are overwhelmingly white. Uh, 
at best, this emphasizes uh, uh, an insensit- a racial insensitivity. At worst, they could be accused of, further accused of racism. It's called business well. as usual. That picture looks like the junior league of Mar-a-Lago. If they had walkers, they'd be a meeting of the Republican National Committee. It's a mentality heard. of just playing to one, his base, playing to one segment of our society, and it really should concern but all I of us. I heard a really interesting comment from, from a person of color today. They said, what self-respecting person of color would feel comfortable working in this White House? So we don't know if people aren't applying for those jobs or they're simply not getting it. Yeah, the same know, thing can be know, said maybe, for the senior staff. Correct. Maybe we, should take, maybe we should display a picture of the people working on the campaign advisory board that I work on. Maybe we should take a picture of the cabinet. Maybe we should take a picture oh, of cabinet. all the base cabinet. He's insensitive. Is wrong. Thank you all very much. Thank you. All right, Robert, Susan, Steve, and Amy, real pleasure having you. My first time. This is day 438 of President Trump's administration, and that is the state of America tonight. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.